Hello everyone. I'd like to say thank you for staying with us this year. Christmas is almost around the corner and this will be the last episode of the series for this year, but we will be back on the second weeks of um January for new and great episode. This episode actually was recorded uh, some time ago with uh, Ashley, Ashley Taylor. She started uh, in InfoSec and we analyze effectively the journey that we're going through and she's a returning guest on the podcast. Uh, she was on the previous series mentoring um, other people in the industry and in InfoSec and she comes back to explain her journey, how she started, um, how she grew through the Science Institute training and um, how as an analyst she could um, effectively keep and maintain control in different in different and difficult situation in an industry that is sometimes stressed especially in big organization and we discussed with Ashley how she overcome effectively challenges dealing with colleague and big crisis situation and how to keep calm being an analyst is really important and then we kind of touch on different topics like cloud security social engineer going back to school and relearning because it's an industry where we need to constantly learn but I really hope that you enjoying and help me giving another warm welcome to Ashley that is uh, doing so much for the community and is always out there with uh, a positive message on Twitter or sharing her journey and please welcome Ashley Taylor on the show. I hope you enjoy, stay safe and have a lovely Christmas and be careful when you travel especially during this COVID season. Stay home if you can and take care of your close one. This is Francesco and I wish you to stay safe during COVID and to enjoy 2021 preview. <laughs> enjoy. Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host, Francesco, and today we have the absolute pleasure and honor to see a returning guest from guest to actually guest guest <laughs> of the first episode, Ashley Taylor, an analyst level three or a third level analyst. You slayed the dragon and now you're a third level. A Ninfosec, Kohala, hoodie, wearer, Ashley Terros on the show. Welcome. Do you want to tell our audience what you've been up to? Uh, well, I've been up to trying to fit myself into a very large organization from a very small local government, <laughs> which is okay. very, very different. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so how's that working? How's it going? It's going pretty well. I, I was a little worried when I made the jump to a larger organization that I probably wouldn't do as well. Um, you know, just that imposter syndrome sort of stuff. Uh, turns out large organizations have more problems than smaller organizations. <laughs> we have a tradition on the podcast before we dive in on the conversation that um, I think it's fit for the, 
the current state uh, and we we tend to ask our guests what is your view on the industry what is your state of the industry what's your opinion on where we are from an analyst perspective from an incident responder or infosec in general i i think that it's always a battle trying to tell people who are not into tech how the tech actually works and we're getting better at closing that gap a little bit trying to be uh, simpler communication so that people understand but it's that's always kind of hard and i feel like that's kind of where we need to try and get as an organization because you know we can show them scary stuff all we want but you know if that scary uh, you know incident that comes out is for a product you don't even own and suddenly you have the CEOs asking you, well, what's the remediation? It's like, we don't own it. It's okay. <laughs> no remediation. You're good. <laughs> so is communication with the higher manager or communication with the other human beings that are known in tech? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Miscommunication happens all the time, but I, I think we're trying to bridge that gap at least a little bit, which is <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're getting better. We we're getting more human and we're getting more empathy to the other part of the organization that actually, if you want the, the one that makes sometimes things happen, like the budget holder or the application owner or you name it, the one that ultimately decide what we're gonna fix and what we're gonna not fix <laughs> or accept the risk up to when the risk explodes. But have you seen on, on that subject, have you seen, for example, a, a shift on the scary tactic or the scaremonger tactics versus a proper conversation? And coming from you know, the government to a bigger organization, have you seen a shift in that uh, what's effective and what's not effective? I have seen a little bit of a shift. For government, we had different sorts of threats that we needed to be aware of. Um, Things like hacktivism, huge in government space. <laughs> Ransomware, huge in government space. Because everybody uh, loves US government, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's so complicated. It's like our my last city was targeted for hacktivism for an oil pipeline that isn't even within like 800 miles of us. But one of our uh, politicians said that he was pro that and suddenly we get lumped in with all that other stuff so it's kind of um that was fun and then i've made a switch now to retail so everything is around payment card industry mm. the risk is around payment card industry and trying to make sure that we're compliant and trying to make sure that those sorts of attacks um ransomware isn't quite as, I mean, ransomware is always going to be around, but I think business email compromise is a little bit scarier to us. <laughs> Got it. So for a, a complete shift in the threat landscape, uh, a reset button, if you want, on the malicious actors. Do you still see hacktivism uh, if our organization, you know, take a stand against uh, one thing or another, or you don't see that happening at all? At all? I don't really see that. It's... Mm. I, I think people just kind of assume all corporations are evil. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why target them? <laughs> it's, 
Let's try just to steal money from corporation. By the way, we're not endorsing any kind of things that we say. It doesn't represent our opinion. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no. Corporations are just a larger group of people. That's it. (laughs) They're not evil. They're not bad. They're they're out there to make money and uh, we're all happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't sue us. No, but just aside, now it's interesting to see the shift in, in, in the trade landscape to see how you adapt and what kind of conversation you're having and uh, on the perception, if you want, of the risk of getting hacked or getting compromised. Are you having a better time or a worse time in, in discussing those things with uh, effectively the non-tech generation or the non-tech people? Uh, known tech people, it's a little, it, it, it's interesting with other tech people because some people really love the fancy complicated stuff and it's, it, the basic stuff is boring. Yeah. We get it. We all get it. But it's the basic stuff that's getting looked over and missed. So I think putting out these weird uh, conversations about, oh, if you use a sound wave technology focused on a microphone and an Amazon dot, you can control that Amazon dot. And that's scary because people could be outside your window controlling your Amazon dot. And it's like, are anybody actually going to do that? Like outside (laughs) of education and academics, that's cool. That's really cool that you could figure out that that's what it does. But, you know, I'm not super concerned that there's a nation state actor sitting outside of CEOs' houses who happen to own Amazon Echo devices and sitting there. Latest thing. But now that same CEO will click on a phishing email almost every time. So it's... <laughs> so the perception is, is distorted. That's interesting that the perception is distorted. And you see more than people trying to figure out the super complicated zero-day attack and they're super concerned about that uh, instead of, well, we need to patch that server that is like 10 years old and it's still running Apache on, on a web front end. Uh-huh, with default credentials, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think we all be in there and say, why don't you do that? But there is that crazy zero day that is coming. Nobody's going to spend that money on our organization unless they really want to target us. <laughs> right. And, you know, sometimes it's, I don't think people understand how complicated it is. Even at my last organization where we had, I don't know, 3,000 endpoints, that's, that's hard to keep track of when you're a small organization and then you move to a larger organization where we have like tens of thousands of endpoints mm-hmm. <laughs> still a small team it's just it's really hard to try and get that to uh, scale at all <laughs> that's unfortunately because we don't as industry we don't scale together with the organization we tend to be to remain a group and we have this I don't know, I, I saw it with DevSecOps that we have that advantage to effectively cross-pollinate other team because we are completely slammed. Mm-hmm. And have you seen that the same thing in, in your perspective from an incident response, so a mix between uh, teams going a little bit more into the blue side and uh, getting to know better incident response rather than you know just building stuff, building, building, building? Yeah, it, it really depends on where your organization's at in the maturity process 
it kind of starts off with security being focused on incident response. Mm -hmm. And eventually, once you mature, you start roping in other teams like legal and because um, uh, that's just as important as being able to fix the tech stuff. You need to be able to control that message. And if you don't have dedicated people to helping you control that message, it's going to spiral all out of control. So gotcha. it's uh, it depends on the maturity. Our organization is large enough where, you know, if we have a large scale incident, we've got people from all sorts of different departments. <laughs> so I, I kind of lead that and it, part of my job is trying to explain in simple terms to all these other departments what is going on and then flip gears and try and explain to our team that's actually doing the technical stuff you know where we need to go and get kind mm -hmm. of in the weeds so it's uh yeah if you if you've got great soft skills and um technical skills those sorts of dual roles that's great that's that's where you move in organizations that's fantastic and i think that soft skill is what unfortunately for the nature of our job gets always a little bit overlooked uh, because communication, even though communication is key, as you say, it's 90% of, well, maybe not 90, but a good percentage of attacks are through phishing and phishing is all about communication mm -hmm. and the whole OSIN stream and the whole social engineering stream of work is all about communication and convincing other human that trust me, I'm a good guy because I use the right phrase or the right term or I know the right group of people, right? Exactly. It's uh, the social engineering attacks are getting so advanced. That's kind of a, a area where I do see a little bit of growth and it changes. You, mm. you don't have people just out there throwing generic messages anymore. They learn about your industry for months and send out very convincing things, anything that ends up in the paper, any sort of uh, collaboration, you know, you sign a big contract with another company, that company loves to say, hey, I've got this big contract with this person. So then you'll start seeing those phishing emails come in branded with that company that you just, you know, signed a contract with. It's, it's no longer, it, it's getting very difficult to tell the phishing, uh, phishing emails from a legitimate one. You got to try and figure out how to communicate that to the end user because mm -hmm. people with tech skills, obviously, we can look at it and be like, eh, that looks weird. But think of all these technologies we now layer on top that make all of our advice sort of useless, like URL rewriting. So we rewrite all the links. Well, True. now we can't tell people highlight over the link. And if it looks weird, um, don't click it because it's always going to look weird. So. <laughs> So are we actually getting worse at it or are we getting better? Are we shooting ourselves in the foot by adding more technology, especially over emails, especially? And, and a good example, uh, I was discussing with Joe, another, another fellow center that was in the first season and came back of recent. And for example, everybody wants to move to the cloud. And a lot of social engineers with a little bit of technical skill, what they're going to do, they're going to put the capture portal in AWS, in Azure, in GCP, and the power rule for those environments will probably be 90% open. And a good phishing campaign that points there is going to be assured to pass through if the email is crafted in a proper way. So a lot of these, if you want stress on tech, end up leaving us 
defenseless a little bit from a, from a, an infosec perspective. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we we like what we know. Uh, I don't think security. There are parts of security that have really focused on staying in current technology, so cloud-based security, all yeah. of these things. But I'd say a lot of people who've been in the industry for a while, it's it's scary kind of trying to transition and learn constantly be trying to learn Shift. and defend against new attacks, shift against new attacks. So uh, yeah, cloud stuff is scary because I don't think that there's a lot out there or if there is out there, companies will be like, oh yeah, we've got this great security module. It's only going to cost you an extra 500,000, which <laughs> that's another conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I won't that's, get that's, into that's my sales. feelings on that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's for me, what scares me about the cloud environment and also excite me is the speed of which a team can spin up a whole service without you even knowing, and hopefully it's it dies because it's just a prototype. But sometimes it's not dying, and it's like a cobbled-up application put together, not reviewed by anybody, and is effectively a door to your environment. And we were discussing probably in the first episode with Andrew that uh, retail car data they were absolutely stressed in Etsy to look at car data and where the car data was going, but the attack weren't going there. They were going like sideways to then attack uh, from the backend. But there were tons of websites exposed and they weren't even aware of. <laughs> so data, data analytics just saved them. But how about you guys? Uh, what do you think is going to save you or the organization that you work for or what works and what doesn't work? Ooh. <laughs> Probably, you know, for us, just focusing on the basics. And I know I keep saying that, but it's, <laughs> no, it's we, important. we have so many things that if we had, you know, if we were actually doing that based off of NIST and CIS recommendations, we'd be so very well protected. But it's, that stuff is easy to overlook because a lot of the time organizations think of security as second. I mean, our department was only set up a few years ago. It's it's not something uh, organizations try and build in from the bottom. I think there is a shift to try and move it that way. So mm -hmm. it's not all, okay, we've got our security team. They do everything security. You know, security needs to be everybody's responsibility. Oh, God, thank to... you. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> sentence. Security is everybody's job. I think I, I just put it out there like 400 times at every presentation. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, it, it really is, but, you know, it's hard because... Yes, security sometimes makes things a little bit more difficult. Correct. Sometimes it makes it a lot more difficult depending on what you're doing. You know, you have a completely unsecure FTP. Um, yeah, it's going to take time and effort to secure that down. But you got Or maybe it. you shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's 2020 and we can get rid of FTP. <laughs> oh, sorry. Our proxy won't go to that side. I don't know what's going on. Weird. <laughs> or fax. Or pages. Do you want to use pages? I think they're very secure. <laughs> they probably are because nobody's going to think who's going to page me. <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets a flip phone. That's it. <laughs> God, I love flip phone. It's like, it's so retro, but it's so Matrix. <laughs> Come on. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. 
This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. But uh, back on your, effectively, let's let's go back on your origin. So how did you get involved in, in, in the security analyst work, in the incident response, and what really helped you grow in your career in that field? So at my last job, again, we didn't have any security people. And we had a, a worker that, um, there's a lot behind that story. I've said it before on Twitter, I'm not gonna go into it. Mm -hmm. But because of his actions, I started focusing more on security. And then I kind of part-time took over security <laughs> for the city. Until, became security. <laughs> Until I became security and all of my uh, customers were mad because I wasn't getting their stuff done because I'm trying to focus <laughs> on all the regulation stuff over here. So they finally made me a new position and uh, did that for a while, started um, SANS because I got my bachelor's degree. I was looking for a graduate program. I really enjoyed the SANS Institute master program because I get both the degree and like nine certifications when I'm done. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a four-year program. I'm like two-ish years in. So it's a it's long pretty time. well structured. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's structured and it's difficult, but I I like it. I think it's fun. But we don't want we don't want ESA certification. I mean, otherwise everybody's gonna ask like have you done like the uh, which one is the golden one, the the, the higher one from SANS? The GI GSE. 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 Yeah. yeah, I was going to start asking that for graduates. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I, I saw a position the other day where it said something like, you know, the GSEC, the Security Plus, or GSE Preferred. And I'm like, those aren't the same at all. It's like, you know, asking for a bachelor degree or a doctorate, you know. <laughs> it's the same, right? Uh, they all was... start with G. <laughs> how Just, how different can they be? Oh, uh, I I I have to take the GSE as part of my capstone for this school. I'm so nervous about it. <laughs> like a two-day test, on-site test. That's just it sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah. But it is the certification you go through and you're most proud of. Um I, I've been through a few of the trial by fire. Um so I know exactly. I can relate totally. <laughs> Not, not, not on sounds, not the sounds one, but I've been through some, some trial one. Yeah. <laughs> and are they, are they really helping you understanding the context as a whole and helping you progress or not, or are they dragging you on another field? Maybe. Uh, I think definitely it's helped me progress. Uh, I had dreams for a while. I wanted to be a penetration tester and I've, I'm pretty good at that stuff, but I'm so good at the 
people and the processes and trying to do that stuff that whatever I interview for um, penetration testing roles are like, oh, we're going to have you be a customer engagement person, which is like sales. <laughs> not saying there's anything wrong with sales. It's just I'm not much of a salesperson. <laughs> Maybe you so. can transition in social engineering so you can deal with <laughs> attacks and people at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can also stick with Blue Team where they really like that I have tech skills plus people skills. Um, it, you know, I like formalizing procedures, processes, and I still am focusing in penetration testing because then I can explain everything and I can also validate stuff. So when we make a change because, hey, we're protected against this attack, then I get to just turn around and attack it and see what happens. <laughs> No, and I think I think you made a super valid point that we discussed previously with Philip. Wow, that is so important, even for a red teamer and for people that attack organization to transition also on the blue team and the other way around so that you know how to defend and you know how to attack or to effectively hide your trace and how blue team effectively will, will um, try to figure out where you were and what were you doing in that server. <laughs> <laughs> and how to hide your traces. So I think that's 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 key and it's important that you you learn how to defend to know how to attack and the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yep, I I gotta say as a blue teamer, my best power trip is when I catch something. <laughs> it's like, oh, you tried to hide. <laughs> nice try. You're right there. I found you. <laughs> so you you guys have a red teamer as well. And do you do battle with red and blue or not yet? So we actually do third-party red team engagements right mm -hmm. now, just because uh, you know our security program is still pretty new. We're still trying to build the the basics, hopefully. <laughs> as everybody else is, don't worry. <laughs> but our our last blue or our last uh, penetration test, uh, the higher ups decided they wanted to test our instant response time, so we weren't even notified it was happening. We're in our morning meeting chatting, and suddenly. I get a scary message from one of our systems. And I'm like, um, I'm going to leave this call now and go deal with this because it's weird. And so, uh, yeah, it ended up being them. <laughs> but it was good. like, it gives you a lot I, of I had a little bit of a, whoo, that got my adrenaline going. I'm like, oh no, we're under attack. We're going to lose millions. And it's all going to be, you know, my fault because I helped do instant response. This sucks. So. I was so happy to find out it was pen testers. I'm like, I'm not even mad. I'm not mad. This is great. <laughs> so, but actually, uh, on that point, on that subject, how do you keep calm under a stressful situation like an attack? An attack is happening. How do you think clearly? How do you get prepared? How do you make sure that your team is prepared? You have to have processes and playbooks written down. Now, we don't i keep it a lot up in here but i'm always running at like 90 percent anxiety so a little bit more anxiety doesn't it doesn't matter for me it's like i'm still going to be the same even keel calm in a situation and thinking things through properly but if you want to make that a repeatable process you need to have it written down and it needs to have high level stuff plus then your uh playbook with the detail Obviously, you can't document everything, but a lot of what you're going to do, the incidents, they're going to be the same sort of, we'll it's going to be the same steps. So yeah. if you go into those steps and let's say there's 10% you don't have written down, 
then that's what you do in lessons learned. Usually you're like, okay, well, now we need to define what happens when this happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not, it's not like the journey has an end in an incident response program. It's a living, breathing program. It's always going to change. You're always going to add to it. So don't let perfect get in the way of good. Start off good and then start working towards making it more solid. Oh, I love, I love the perfect not getting in the path of good because otherwise never it, in nothing's going to ever going to be complete, as you just said. And in InfoSec, that's even more true because technology moves at such a fast pace that if we try to stick for perfection, we're always going to be late and the attacker is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. So, but that's not the way I want to end. So I want to end with something more positive. So I'm going to ask you a funny stories and then a positive message. So can you hit us with a funny or an intense incident response stories that you had of late or in general, one that you can remember? Ooh, funny story. Gosh, there's not a lot of funny ones because it's just well, <laughs> funny, interesting, I, I mean, entertaining. They're kind of funny to me. Well, I mean, I gotta say, you know, we just it, it wasn't an incident response, but we had a request the other day to disable multi-factor on a bunch of stuff. I actually just posted about this <laughs> for like, why do we need to disable multi-factor? And they're like, oh, because that site location burned down. But so we're trying to. Uh, Yet, you know, this computer still works, so we want to be able to use it without setting a tech on site. I'm like, okay. That's smart. <laughs> that's, that, seems, that seems legit. Uh, some funny fishing things I've done. I, I, one of my highest clicked fish was calling, it, it was around the last election cycle, and it was calling for people to come to action and fill out a survey to help President Ronald Trump in his campaign. <laughs> and I misspelled his name on purpose. And I had a 90% click rate. <laughs> we become we become completely blind to those errors. And that's what gets us. Yeah, it was in big red bold because I was trying to throw an easy one out there. I mean, kind of to make our numbers look good, but <laughs> backfired. <laughs> Massively. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good story. It's a fantastic story. And, I, and I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. But before I let you go, I want you to leave us with a very positive message for our audience. And it can be anything. It can be about the industry. It can be about incident response. It can be about your personal life or wearing hoodies with koalas. <laughs> I like my koala hoodie, but the thing that I love to see the most is how many people are truly excited in information security and want to join the field. And I, I know it's nerve wracking. I know it's hard because there's so much information out there. I love it when people are asking questions. I tell people all the time, if you work me out of a job, I will retire so happy. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> take security with you and tell all your friends and family because, you know, there's a lot cooler jobs I could be having. You know, I could be an urban homesteader. I don't even know, but I'm here. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be out of job anytime soon. <laughs> no, but there's the dream. <laughs> a man can dream or a woman can dream. <laughs> We're all going to be like dog walkers or doing something fun outside, outdoor with a little bit more sun. Well, maybe not in England, but yep. a man can dream. Yep. 
Ashley, was an absolute pleasure to have you back uh, again on season two. So I'm sure we're going to see you again uh, sometime later this year. And all the best of luck with your new role and don't get crazy in the organization. <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to cause too much chaos. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the funny part. Cause chaos, but just don't, don't work on 90% of anxiety because... We love to see you eventually going out of the industry and doing something fun, not as stressful as this. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> but anyway, thank you everybody for listening. This was your host, Francesco, and we had Ashley Taylor on the show. This is Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast, and stay safe and stay cyber safe. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.